0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: My Believe in Broncos podcast is presented by my friends at Superbook Sports. They have the most favorable pricing and better odds. They are the leader in Las Vegas for over 30 years. They have extensive wagering menu for everything you want to bet. And the mobile app? It's now available at Superbook.com. Coming soon, they will be at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. So sign up today and start betting. Welcome to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rink from Denver 7. Hope you're all having a wonderful day. Thanks again for all the support you've given this podcast through the first five weeks. Been overwhelmed by how many people are downloading, subscribing. and So tell your friends, tell your family, you know, keep checking it out if you're so inclined. I I know I appreciate it. And uh, it's only going to get bigger and better as we get toward training camp and eventually real football in the regular season. And we talk now about OTAs and what are some of the storylines? Well, we've heard this week on the earlier podcast from the quarterbacks, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. You know, in theory, they're having a competition right now. Uh, But let's be honest, it's not really a competition probably until training camp, though I would say I would give one guy the starting nod, even if only slightly, at the end of OTAs because the idea of going 50-50 all the way through training camp, I just think sets the Broncos up for failure. I would identify someone as a slight leader going into training camp and make the other player beat them out. That's just me. Uh, and again, we heard from Von Miller earlier this week and how he is poised to rebound. And if you read my article currently on the DenverChannel.com, you will see there's no reason at age 32 why he can't have an elite season. Many have done it from Bruce Smith to Reggie White to Kevin Green, um, 33, 34, that's a different story. But even Demarcus Ware at age 32 with the Broncos, very possible for Von to be double digit sacks and they'll need it. But today's episode. We're going to focus on one player specifically, and we were able to speak with Noah Fant, the Broncos' promising tight end in a third year of his career, entering a huge season as he kind of attempts to cement his status as a cornerstone player for this franchise. And that's a difficult task, you know, given uh, the pressure on him and the pressure to produce and stay healthy. And now he is dealing with the added element and just the unbelievable, hard to reconcile element of his mother's, Kathy uh, Fant's unexpected passing earlier this month. And that's what I want to dive into, uh, what we watched on a Thursday here in May uh, and how Noah Fant addressed the media uh, publicly for the first time since his mom's passing and to me, uh, I, I just, it was rather remarkable. And when we come back from the break, I want to get into that and what I saw from this young man as he attempts to move forward. My show is presented in part by Hoggett Injury Law. With us, it's personal. Speaking of personal, let me tell you about my friend Darby Hoggett. I've known Darby for about a decade, coached his son in travel baseball. We used to hang out at games, talk about sports, especially the Denver Broncos. He's a big fan. We have become good friends. In fact, many of his clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at one 833 hoggett That's one 833 hogg Or find out more, visit their website at www.hoggettlaw.com. Welcome back to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank. And as we went to break, I talked about what we heard and saw from Noah Fant today as he met the media for the first time since his mother's unexpected passing from an illness earlier this month. Noah Fant's mom was 53 years old. He was very close to his mom, Kathy. I met her on draft night when Noah was a first-round draft choice a couple years ago. Very close with his family. According to their obituary, uh, Noah is one of seven children. Uh, I knew he had a big family. I didn't know it was seven children. Uh, but you know, to lose your mom at age 23 unexpectedly, uh, and someone that Noah described as uh, someone he, he was very close to, talked to every day. He said, you know, they had the normal growing pains of uh, a fa- uh, son and mom relationship, but. That it only made him stronger as the years went on. And she was so supportive of his football career, loved watching him play, whether it was in high school in Omaha, whether it was at the University of Iowa, and certainly with the Denver Broncos. And it wasn't always easy for Noah. While physically he is just a marvel, you know, sometimes football wasn't just, it didn't come easily for him. And he had the support of his family, certainly his uh, father and his mother. So today was the first time. He had spoken to the media since the loss of his mom. And the first time we heard of it was May 5th. His girlfriend, Noah, has had a serious girlfriend for a couple of years. She posted on Instagram a picture of Noah with his mom, Kathy. Noah was hugging his mom in that photo saying that, you know, that Noah's mom had passed. And I was she's it was just hit me like a ton of bricks. Just having Noah Noah the way I do. I know he's very he was close with his family. Uh, But I didn't know his mom was ill. Part of the issue over the last year, not being around the players, no locker room access, some of the stuff you would normally hear or be able to talk to someone about and find out, it just doesn't exist right now. Many of those opportunities don't exist because it's just a different relationship uh, between the media and players over the last 13, 14 months. Um, And then a couple days later on Twitter, uh, Noah confirmed that his mom had passed, and he had said, "You know, you could send flowers to the funeral home in Omaha, Nebraska." And you know, again, I'm just thinking, sitting here as a soon-to-be 51-year-old, how hard it would be to deal. How hard it would be to deal with the loss of my own mother, and how just he was dealing with it in a public setting at age 23, the loss of his mom. And one of the questions that was asked today was. You know, when Noah, when his mom, uh, they held the services for his mom, several players and several people from the Broncos attended. And you can see this, you know, the fuller version of this story on the denverchannel.com. But when Noah's mom passed, the Broncos vice president of player development, Ray Jackson, who was recently promoted and so well-deserved and is so close to the players and does so much in terms of helping their transition to for players off the field. He helped, as uh, Noah said, get people together. Um, but because of Ray Jackson kind of spearheading this, general manager George Payton, coach Vic Fangio, Jackson, of course, Vaughn Miller, Drew Locke, all attended Uh, the ceremony for and service for Noah Fant's mom and Noah was asked what that meant to see that type of Broncos presence there on what was a very very difficult day
0: yeah no I mean man it meant a lot Um, wasn't expecting all of them to come actually I I was talking to Ray Jackson the head of our player development and uh, I knew that he was going to come and he you know he got everybody together and was able to get everybody to come. And uh, I mean, that meant a lot. Like I was just so happened to be walking outside for a second um, before the service started and I saw all of them coming in. And definitely, you know, it made me tear up and made me get, you know, pretty emotional because that, you know, that just shows like how much they care, how much they care about me, how much they care about my family. And it's not just all business, right? So, I mean, that meant a lot to me. And, uh, you know, I'm doing good though. I mean, just taking it a day at a time and, You know, I know that my mom would want me to keep working and keep grinding, and she's always happy to see me on the field. So um, definitely use that as motivation for sure.
1: And you can see when you listen to that soundbite, excuse me, you can hear when you listen to that soundbite, just the remarkable composure of this young man. You know, he, he, he admits that he was brought to tears by the Broncos' presence, but the way Noah is talking about it at his age, it's just the maturity showing, and we all grieve differently. But one of the difficult things when you're a professional athlete and you're a Broncos player in Colorado, there's really no higher-profile position than the quarterback of the Broncos. But a Broncos player, that is about as high as it gets in terms of notoriety in this state, um, just because of the, it's been here the longest from 1960. The number of people from if you go to the Colorado so all the way to the Tr- Tr- Trinidad, up to. Uh, Fort Collins and beyond to the Wyoming board. I mean, there's just, you can't find someone that doesn't know or talk Broncos. That's the nature of this. And so when you go through a a tough time, if something happens bad off the field, the scrutiny is intense, but to go through a difficult time like this and grieve and to have to address the media. And Noah obviously was okay with this because during OTAs, voluntary OTAs, he would not have been required to speak with us. So not only does he agree to do it, but just shows remarkable po- poise and maturity in dealing with, with a situation, again, that is just so hard. And, and then not only is it hard, he's, he's losing his mom, one of his biggest fans, if not his biggest fan, but he's losing someone to talks to every day. As someone who's a father and talks to my sons every day, um, I, I mean, you just feel that like, man... I can only imagine, and I, and I grew up close with my own mother. Uh, my wife's relationship with our two sons is very close. I mean, she's a sports fan. Uh, she's been as, as many of my, our kids' games as I have, and just to know that and have lived that with my own kids, because my oldest son is basically Noah's age. Uh, and I'm as, you know, close in age with Noah's mom. I, so it, the story struck me in ways that it's like that could have been my wife or I passing. And how would my own kids deal with that? And I could only hope that, A, they would never have to, but B, that they would have the courage and poise and maturity to deal with it the way Noah Fant did uh, to, today when we spoke with him. Because I just I can't say enough about how impressed I was, and and how he was able uh, to address this and, and deal with this issue, and say he's you know in a in a good place as good as can be uh, uh, considered you know as it, it, it good as can be all things considered, and he's and he's moving forward and just so impressed. But how how he has dealt with that, and that is the kind of the odd part of all this is you feel that presence for his team, the support of his teammates and and Vaughn and Drew and just the teammates. And knowing that now he has to go out and perform and how do you channel that? And that's something um, I was able to ask Noah at the end of his press conference today is, you know, moving forward, what can this mean for him? And is there a way to turn what is an awful awful situation into a positive and that's something uh, we'll get to again um, as we could talk about this today but that's something we get into is how do you turn that into something positive so when I had a chance to talk with Noah uh, as one of the questions in his press conference I asked him can this be a, a defining moment in this way that he can look back to as something that turned a good career into a great career because he's so motivated to play for his mom and his family who, you know, he's saying his mom's looking down on him from heaven. And I asked Noah specifically about that, you know, that this idea that, you know, does this, that, final, that that push in the back that gets him to where I know he wants to be and frankly has the talent to be And The only thing that's held him back, in my opinion, from being a top, 15, top five tight end is injuries.
0: I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that necessarily. Um, like you said, I've, I ran into some problems, ran into some injuries, ran into some, my rookie year of running growing pains, all that stuff. So, um, I mean, this is one of those things that wasn't expected, wasn't, wasn't expecting it to happen, but definitely I use that as motivation. Because um, the way I look at it is like, you know, if I went off a cliff, right, you know, how would that? make my mom feel how would that make my dad feel all those things and you know they would want me to keep playing so uh I'm not going to necessarily say that's going to push me up into that upper echelon but that's always been the goal even before all this stuff happened with my mom um that was always a goal talking with my mom my mom and my dad right I want to get to top top five in the league I want to be competing with Kelsey and Kittle and Waller all these guys so um that's always been the goal that's always what I'm pushing for and uh the, the ultimate goal is to be like the, the best in the league. But I mean, you know, we got to, we got to work to get there. So that's what I've been doing. So.
1: So you, you can see from this that Noah's motivated and, and he was motivated before. So let's be fair to this, but I know part of him, you know, and talking to teammates and certainly listening to Noah is he wants to do this for his mother. He, cause his mother loved watching him play football and that's a way he can honor her, honor her is to play football. And do something he knew she loved. And and I think he can do it at a level that we haven't seen around here since, you know, briefly the Julius Thomas era. And Julius was different because he was really just a receiving tight end, but he did it very well for a short time. And obviously, you have a legacy of tight end with Hall of Famer Shannon Sharp. But I, I think Noah Fant has a chance to be, you know, a six touchdown, seven touchdown tight end, thousand yard. And a pro bowler, I don't see any reason why he can't be a top five tight end moving forward. And the reason is because while the expectations for him have been enormous, they always are when you're first round pick. When you look into the statistics of Noah Fant, what you learn and see is man, if he just stays on the field number one. And secondly, is a little bit more of a focal point to the game plan certainly that could certainly play out with Cortland Sutton back and Jerry Judy together. There's going to be mismatches on the field. But when you look at that, when you look at his past production, it is clearly a hint of the big things that Noah Fant can do in year three. And it really, the, the truth lies in the stats. I mean, we just look at the stats for Noah Fant over his first two seasons. I mean, this guy, again, it's different. And sometimes it's not apples to apples. But just, just listen to these stats for a second uh, when it, regarding Noah Fant. This is according to the Broncos, and I tracked down these stats from the Broncos. Through 31 career games, Fant had missed one with injury last, week in, uh, last year in Week 6. Fan has 192 receptions, 1,235 yards, and six touchdowns. His yardage and reception totals through his first two years rank the most by a tight end in franchise history through 31 games. Uh, and so two, two seasons. And that's ahead of Julius Thomas. Thomas, the difference, again, I don't want to point out the difference here, but that's ahead of Julius Thomas, Riley Odoms, Odom, Tony Scheffler, uh Jeb Putzier, I mean, Shannon Sharp wasn't on there because he once he got going. I mean, obviously Shannon was one of the greatest of all time, but his first two years he wasn't. Uh he was kind of undersized growing into the position of tight end. But my point is with Fant, he's close. Like he is really close. And he has a chance to be a pro bowler. When you look at Darren Waller, you look at Travis Kelsey, you look at some of the top tens and the 10 tight ends in the league, there's no reason for me, there's no reason he can't be a 70 reception guy for 950 to 1100 yards and 7-8 touchdowns. And that is therein lies the rub with me and that's where Pat Shermer there's, when we talk about the onus on the quarterbacks this year, whether that's Teddy Bridgewater Drew Locke or obviously if it's on Aaron Rodgers, the onus is different. That's just pressure to deliver a huge playoff run. But the onus is on Pat Shermer to use Fant in a way that makes him more of a weapon in the red zone. Uh, the, these underneath routes are now going to be open more with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton on the field. With Cortland Sutton in the game in the red zone, the radar will be going off for teams. He is going to be the guy they're trying to take away that should open up routes for Noah Fant in the red zone, in the end zone. There's no reason Noah Fant can't double his career touchdown total from 6 to 12. And 6 with 900 yards could be a Pro Bowl season. Like That's the kind of talent he has. And when you look at receptions uh, in a season by a tight end, he's already had the the 8th most with 62. Obviously, Shannon Sharp has the top 4 of the top 7 of the top 8 is Shannon Sharp. Julius Thomas slipped in there in 2013 with 65, but Shannon in '94 had 87, uh, four touchdowns, and then Shannon, 81, 90, 995, and nine touchdowns. Like that's the kind of season, and that was Shannon in '93. That's the kind of season I I could see out of envision out of Fant is 70 receptions, 900 yards, six to seven touchdowns, and that's what takes him from being a good player, one with potential to hey. When the fantasy league draft comes out, you're marking, you're putting, you're highlighting Noah Fant's name, and if that's the case, and that's the numbers he's puts up this season, he is then a guy you look to lock up long term and secure long term. We've already seen them do it with Justin Simmons. We've already seen them do it with Garrett Bowles. Bradley Chubb for me is next in line for that, um, and then the next guy in that conversation could easily be Noah Fant as you try to build this core of players, one of the things they did with the Vikings under George Payton is, I think it was a, for first or second, in second contracts for rookie draft picks. George Payton is a guy who likes to keep his players. That is the way of the Minnesota Vikings. Identify them in the draft, and when they get good, we pay them and reward them. And he did that this offseason with Justin Simmons, with Shelby Harris. Uh, again, the next, they did it with Bulls, with John Elway. But the next guy in line would be... Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Bradley Chubb. Of those three, I mean, I would expect at least two of them get paid, possibly all three. And Fant is at a position, yes, they have uh, Albert Okuwebunom, but you can have both. This idea, well, it's one or the other. No, it's not. They don't score enough points to start moving talent. And Fant's a guy that can take an offense that scores 21 points a game, 225. That's how good I think he can be. And and unfortunately he's you know more motivated now because of the loss and passing of his mother, which you know you wouldn't wish on anybody. Uh, but I think Fant was due a big season anyway. And when you listen to how Vaughn Miller talks about him earlier in the week, and Vaughn is someone who again, when I talk about Vaughn's leadership style, it is unusual. It isn't rah-rah. Vaughn connects with teammates from Brandon McManus to the punter, to offensive players. Like, he is like this glue guy in the locker room. And he said earlier this week that Noah Fant is his favorite player on the team. Let's just look at him. You know, he's buff. He's going to be a beast this year. And Vaughn is, you know, he's prone to hyperbole and promoting teammates. But I can tell you he believes this with Noah Fant. And he has every reason to. And, you know, Fant, for me, I appreciated Fant most in his worst moment as a player after that thursday night game against the chiefs his rookie year he dropped three passes he played horribly and i interviewed him one-on-one and he told me it was easily the worst game of his athletic career never played worse and to do it in a thursday you know which is a quasi primetime game he was just like you know he's beside himself what was his reaction to that to bury himself pow you know i can't do this no it was i gotta get better I've got all the tools and he started, you know, he just spends more time working on catching the ball, more, spends more time in the classroom, just go back to the lab as they say, and he just got better. And he finished his rookie season with the most catches and yards by a first year first year tight end in team history. Was it everything he expected? No, but 40 catches, 562 yards and 3 scores it was a nice rebound, a rebound like Dennis Rodman, when you considered where he was on that Thursday night against the Chiefs. He really found a way to bounce back. And that's where I appreciated Pham. Because a lot of young players who've been told they're great throughout their career, they hit adversity for the first time at the pro level. It is difficult for them. They're not used to failing. That's the reason they're in this five percentile of the greatest football players in the world that's why they're in the NFL, and a lot of them haven't been punched in the face and told they're terrible and booed, and he, would, all those things happened to him, and all he did was get better, and last year he was on the cusp of, you know, breaking out, and he dealt with an ankle injury that clearly slowed him, forced him to eventually miss a game, but my belief is if Fant is healthy, he will post a 70-catch season with around 900 yards and six scores and will be in the conversation for the Pro Bowl and you will see him as, this is a guy we can build around. And that's whether it's Teddy Bridgewater quarterback, Drew Locke, or Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, the idea of Fant getting 10 touchdowns is on the table. If you look at how Aaron Rodgers has used his tight ends in the offense for the Packers. But Fant now has this extra layer of motivation with the passing of his mother. And even before that, I thought he was going to have a big year. But he's always been, for me, a... Uh, a guy I liked from afar. When I talked to Shannon Sharp about Fant the night of the draft, he loved the draft pick. He's always believed in Fant for these first few years as someone that physically possesses the skills. And I believe this is going to be the season. We all see it come together for Noah Fant. And when I saw how he handled adversity after that horrible night against the Chiefs, I just I had a you know just an immense amount of respect for him and to see the way he's handling. The loss of his mom today, the remarkable composure, the maturity—he's an easy guy to root for. You know, the, you root in journalism. You root for stories, not the teams. No offense, a good story, and he became a better story throughout these last couple years. And you know, because of everything he's going through, you know, I'd love to see him rewarded because the way he is approaching this and put his head down and said, "I'm going to honor my mom. I'm going to honor my family." I'm just going to go do it. I'm going to play well. I think he was anyway, but he's clearly got uh, his eyes on it even more, even more focused on it. So I think you are going to see Noah Fant have a huge year. Whether that ultimately translates for this team, I don't know. But I think personally, regardless if they're a 9-8, and 10-7 team, Noah Fant's going to look up at the end of this year if he's healthy and he's going to be in that Pro Bowl conversation and is in the conversation as someone the Broncos need to build around with a long term contract. So, hope you enjoyed the show today. Uh, again, a little different as we use sound from Noah Fant um, in talking again about the passing of his mother and his upcoming season. I want to thank my sponsors as always Superbook Sports, they're the best. Uh, again, they're going to have, they have. Uh, 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 they're gonna have a building up in um, Black Hawk and you're gonna be able to go there and so I, I look forward to there'll be even more of a concrete connection to Colorado so I'm looking forward to that. Thanks again to Hoggett Injury Law and my friend Darby Hoggett for their sponsorship and thanks to my my son uh, Dagan for producing the episode as always. Hope you all enjoy it. Uh, again, we do this podcast and I do this podcast specifically for you. Happiness. That begins with me. So go out there and have a great day.